Hey everybody, and welcome to another amazing episode of Finding Peaks. Yours truly, president and founder, Chris Burns. Uh, I got my grateful, recovering co-host, Jason Friesma, chief clinical officer. Welcome to the show, Jay. Good to be here. Welcome. Grateful to have you. We got a bunch of chiefs and directors in the house today. Um, we have Aaron Grenny, our admissions director. Um, phenomenal professional, but even better human. Let's go. Um, in the man behind the mystery, this is Joseph Villanueva. He is our chief growth officer here at Peaks Recovery, and he and his wife and a couple other pe folks, Coover, um, are responsible for putting out all of this material, all of the multimedia, all the business and growth and development Joseph and his team are responsible for, and we just couldn't be more honored to have him on the show. Um, he supports Peaks um, just as much or more than anybody else. Big heart for this work and another per person in active recovery. So um, today is my birthday episode. Um, I'm celebrating 14 years of recovery. Um, what I like to say about that clap. is- That's Should we clap? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and really what it's been for me um, is it's been an opportunity to not cope with substances for a tremendous amount of time. Um, and I'm really, really grateful for that. Um, but I wanted to bring up in this show and talk about just the recovery process in 2022 differently than even when I got here 14 years ago in 2008. And I've talked about this a lot on the show and I think it's really important to bring up is, you know, in 2008 when treatment programs were providing young people aftercare plans, um, it really was kind of a sticky note opportunity. It was a 90 slash 90, find a therapist, good luck, but you're better off getting into a 12-step group to help build a community. Um, and so that's what I did. Um, I had a really awesome process in the early stages of Alcoholics Anonymous, but I was met with a tremendous amount of hard edges early on. Um, and the hard edges didn't matter as much to me because what the 12-step group did for me was it was a family of choice that I had never had. And so I really wanted to be a part of this family. Um, and they wanted me to be a part of it. And that felt really good because I hadn't felt like I had been a part of anything for a long time. So I was willing to do whatever these men suggested. You know, one of the sayings in AA is, um, if somebody has what you want, you'll do what they do, right? If you're willing, if you want what they have, you're willing to do what they do. And my first sponsor sat down with me at 90 days sober and I was using an anti-craving medication called Suboxone. And I sat down with my first sponsor and he said, my second sponsor, excuse me, my first sponsor. And he said, if you're on Suboxone, you're not sober. And that is one of the um, most widely used drugs today for opiate use and early stages of recovery. And we're finding a tremendous amount of efficacy for that drug up and into two, three, four, five years of recovery. Mm -hmm. um, but yet I was fed kind of a different message. And my fear is that our young people and our mature people are still getting fed a message that's incongruent um, to where we are at today in 2022 with all of the resources that we have. And so I wanted to bring you all on the show because each and every one of you has an individualized approach to your authentic process. And I just wanna to touch base on kind of your ex early experience. We talked about it a little bit before the show, how it kind of feels very small to start, but if we're gonna have really long-standing and sustainable recovery, we have to open that up and create some broadness about it. And so I wanna check in with you first, Aaron, because we both found recovery in a small town in Northern Arizona where there's more treatment centers per capita than anywhere else in the world. Mm -hmm. More AA meetings per capita than anywhere else in the United States last I checked. And so the 12-step culture there, if you didn't want to get into 12-step, 
you probably didn't have a lot of friends. And so I just want to talk about your experience in the early stages, what the 12 step meant to you, and maybe where you're at today with respect to um, your longer term recovery um, and how that matters uh, as a professional. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so definitely when I, when I first went into this, this small town in Northern Arizona, it was essentially the, the foundation of getting sober. There was some clinical approach, but I say this often, I was um, not really, I didn't do much therapy really at all. Um, there were some groups that were helpful, but really at its, at its core, the 12 steps was, um, was clearly the basis of, mm -hmm. of how you got sober. Um, and there was this large community of people who all knew each other, everyone was friends, everyone helped each other, and I certainly had that same um, thought going into it, like I, I really want to be included in this, I want to be the cool, yeah. cool person yeah. and get my chips like everybody else. And it honestly, um, it was really great. It helped yeah. me so much because there was this built-in group of people who knew what I had experienced and who um, you know, didn't judge my, my past mistakes and, and that was huge for me to feel so immediately accepted by such a large group of people who kind of shared this, this commonality. Um, and so really for the first probably at least 12 months, you know, two years, three years, but certainly while I was in this town, um, it was really, it was ingrained in everything mm -hmm. in my life and the sayings and the steps and all of these things were um, absolutely at its core what kind of ran my life. Um, and I, I actually remember thinking <clears throat> at a certain point, I was like, I feel like I'm running. I feel like I am trying to sprint as fast and as far away as I can from this, this past experience and this person that I was. And I was probably a couple of years in, I was like, I'm a little bit tired. Mm. I'm kind of tired of trying to cover all these things all the time. Like, oh, don't forget yeah, to go to meetings and don't forget to turn yourself over and like all these things and I was like what I really want and I know that this is a part of the program is just a collective like peace and I want to feel like I'm okay mm. um, <clears throat> and so at that point I kind of shifted a little bit from the foundation of what got me sober into what felt right to me and that was having a community um, continuing to go to therapy and maintaining medications honestly mm -hmm. And those are the things in my life today. I have six years sober, seven next month. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have to laugh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, and so at this point, that's what I'm doing. Like I, I have the exact same friendships, a lot of the same friendships that I had at that time, and they will be in my life forever. I truly yeah. believe that. And that's the gift, yeah. I think, of the 12-step community is this group of people that you really connect with. Mm -hmm. But I also go to therapy, and yeah. I also take medication mm -hmm. so um, it's been it's been such a journey to watch it evolve and I'm, I'm really grateful for everything yeah. I experienced throughout my process but yeah and I love that you said that to you that was really progressive like when I get my seven years next month you would you wouldn't have been able, you wouldn't say that because you're not guaranteed next month no but I actually believe you know in your heart of hearts that you're gonna be sober next yeah month. I do wow yeah that is interesting I love that and that's kind of what I get through having this holistic view of recovery and, and having a full recovery one day at a time. I most certainly believe in the one day at a time. Absolutely. Um, but I can tell you next week that I'm going to be sober. Yes. And I, and I don't have to sell myself short on that. And so I think in a way it, that early onset experience in Alcoholics Anonymous, it <clears throat> has a tremendous amount of efficacy to keeping you a little bit small. Mm -hmm. And I think it's in an effort to create humility, but it yes. also detracts from opportunity. 
Um, but I love how you said that because you wouldn't have said that in a 12-step group. They'd be like, no, no, no. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, nothing. 14 years doesn't matter if, unless you get 14 years in a day. Right. And yeah. there are those stories of people yeah. who get a long period of time and they relapse, mm -hmm. and that's kind of what propels this internal fear. But yeah. at this point in my life, I feel resolved mm -hmm. and peaceful and calm and confident yeah. in who I am in my recovery. So that feels great. Yeah, that's absolutely a beautiful thing. I kind of had that experience in 12-step as well as like I'm going to a meeting every day. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes the dialogue is, is often about substances and war stories and things like that. And so I found myself, even though I would le let the meeting know that I was happy, joyous, and free, I found myself ruminating a lot on thoughts about substances mm -hmm. and glorifying. It's because I really hadn't attended to the root. Right. You know, and when I'm able to repair that root a little bit, to your point, it, um, I can have that longevity and I can have that peace and I can have that comfortability um, that you talk about. So mm -hmm. thank you for that. Yeah, of course. Um, I want to check in with Joseph too because we were sitting down just a few weeks ago um, and this is somebody who's um, been working with Peaks for a number of years, probably about five or six, five? Somewhere around there, yeah, five. Yeah, and he's just developed a tremendous passion. I think it's always been there but it's certainly been exacerbated since he started working with Peaks and for somebody who doesn't work client facing, I don't know if you'll find a more passionate um, and big hearted individual for the people that we serve other than Joseph. And now I've had the, the opportunity to sit with him and, and meet with you on a weekly basis or every couple weeks for a number of weeks now. And I was sitting with him the other day and <clears throat> what, what brings this up for me is I'm, I've been married for 10 years and my wife has, um, she's been to Survivor, she's been to Grief Week, she's been in a lot of therapy, she's done the 12 steps for adult child. Um, she's done all this stuff, she's in bi-weekly therapy, but for whatever reason throughout my recovery I've always felt like she's been on the sideline because she wasn't a substance abuser. And I was sitting with Joseph a few weeks ago and I was just watching kind of this growth happen in front of me and I was like, man, you're in recovery. Um, because if you take a coping mechanism, a substance use disorder, and they cope, and then you take um, perfectionism or tuning my world out or isolation, isolation Isolationism. Isolation. This one's right. That works. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, if, if the substance user lives to 90, they're in the same spot at the end of their life, anxious, all alone, depressed, and disconnected. And so I think we don't give enough praise to folks that are working on the sidelines to better themselves one day at a time. And I, I really believe this is all about mental health and has nothing to do with substances. So I want everybody in the world to come join this recovery party. Um, and Joseph's one of them. And so I just want to check in with you, Joseph. It's like, what was that like to hear that you're actually a part of this thing, this really magical and beautiful thing that you love so much, that you're actually on the same team? It was almost like you like went, poof, and was like able to settle because it allowed you to be a part of something that I, I know that you love and value so much. Yeah, so the conversation for me was, was pretty um, meaningful, to say the least, and it was a revelation that I think I'll carry with me really close to my heart for everything that we do and continue to do together as a, you know, as an organization and all the th projects that I'm involved in. Um, because I think I felt what you were talking about that your wife feels. Mm -hmm. Kind of on the sidelines, really good supporters, um, mm -hmm. but it didn't quite feel right to uh, place yourself on the sideline because part of you feels connected doesn't know how to truly associate it. And, and for me in that conversation, you brought me to the, re to, to the revelation that unified us, mm -hmm. all of us. Mm -hmm. 
And that was really powerful for me because I, I saw how myself and everybody else that I come across in, in the staff and in the, the, the people that are in the program uh, clients, we're all eye to eye, we're on the same level and we're all in recovery. And it meant, it brought me so much closer to the entire situation. And um, that was really powerful. I, I think we were talking about, I was sharing with you, um, for me, the recovery is recovering from perfectionism mm -hmm. um, and the way that I observed myself. And one thing that it seems like is a carrying thread or a thread that goes through all these prior conversations that I've had, mm -hmm. Aaron shared, you shared some of your story with me. And then uh, listening to Sylvan on a mm -hmm. few episodes back, there's this moment of you arrive to the point where I think, Aaron, you said, I'm just tired mm -hmm. of Chris's terminology, white knuckling the situation. And I felt the same way. Mm -hmm. I was so critical and hard on myself and I was never enough and always reaching and then tired. And that's, that was my moment of like, all right, let me look for a book that mm -hmm. can probably help me. Mm -hmm. And then that led me to conversations with people like Chris mm -hmm. and to therapy. And, and you transition from that rigidity mm -hmm something that can keep you on a, on a path, but very rigid. I think Sylvan was using that word and I really yeah. liked that. He was like, AA can be really good for that rigidity mm -hmm. that a lot of people need. And he admitted to it, I think, um, I needed that. Mm -hmm. But then you get to that point where you transition and you need something more, mm -hmm. enter in treatment. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, such a cool balance, how they, how they can be hand in hand, I think. I started learning the values of um, something like AA and how that can get you to a certain checkpoint. Mm -hmm. And then you inevitably need to walk into a program that has the capabilities of really wrapping themselves around you like peaks and what, what people like Jason do and, and like the organization as a whole really can provide is, is uh, something much beyond that rigidity. So mm -hmm. um, full stop. Yeah, no, that's beautiful, man, and, and really well explained. And um, I want to be able today for anybody to see themselves in my story. So I don't want to talk about, for me, Chris Burns. Like, it's the last year I'm talking about sobriety time. This is it. Because I, I want Jason to see himself in my story. He can't see himself in my sobriety story, hmm. right? He can see himself in my mental health story, my trauma survivor story, my adult child, you know, all of the stuff. And I want to make sure that each and every person that is thinking about picking up the phone to call Peaks, that I can sit down with them and I, they can find themselves in my story. And I think for so many years, you know, 1935 and on, and 12 Steps has been such a great thing for this world. Um, but I think it's detracted a little bit from the opportunity we have to bring more people into this space. Um, and I really want to just continue to um, broaden our horizons, broaden the conversation, um, and ask others like Jason, like, how do you feel hearing this type of stuff? Because you're someone who, quite frankly, man, was in recovery before me, you know? <laughs> Chris, one of my favorite stories you tell is uh, you and I met at a restaurant like two blocks from here uh, with, with Bobby and then somebody else. Uh, <laughs> and like, you told me, I think just last year that like, you guys were like, how much time does he have? Yeah, how much yeah. time does he have? And I think you're like, 
10 years from heroin or something like that. Was, yeah. I, I remember Bobby's like, nah, 20 alcohol for sure. I'm like, oh. Like this guy is on the edge. Yeah, this is like 15 years ago. Man. Yeah, to be clear, I've never done heroin. I just want to be clear about that. But, um, but I, you know, I think um, as you guys were talking, I just, um, I think about uh, the amount of work we do. And actually, a long time ago when I was working with, um, adolescents and even young adults when we were a young adult program I, I actually used to tell parents this when we just worked with with young adults um, and we worked with them for like four to six months I'm like you're gonna bring in a, an immature 22 year old and then if they go through our program and do all the examining of their life they're gonna be more mature than their cohort mm -hmm. um, because it is a gift to do that examining of one's life and you know for me personally um, I certainly started as a counselor before I started any sort of counseling. <laughs> uh, I was that guy. Uh, this was a long time ago, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, back when I was working under Freud, but no, I'm kidding. Uh, but, I, but in all seriousness, like, I had some life events occur, some around the health of my son, um, that just actually had a nice effect, a really horrible effect of like bringing up um, things from my childhood that I hadn't thought about in a long time and I didn't realize how they were affecting me to the, to the day. And so I had to do somatic experience work and I, did, I actually got with a group of guys every week um, and did that examining of my own life and, and um, kind of breaking the, the link from how the past was affecting my present. And I think um, it was with that work that I think I finally was able to get you know, to where I am today and be able to sit uh, and be present with people and, and uh, hold that space and, and not be run by anger or other emotions and that sort of thing. Um, and, and I think to Aaron's point too, like it did take community. It wasn't an AA community. Mm -hmm. um, I've been a counselor since 1999 and I used to get asked a lot, it doesn't happen at all really anymore, but like why do you work so much with addictions? Because I, I always just found that that's where I was most comfortable. Um, and, you know, because similar, like people would think like, oh, you're in recovery from something. And I'm like, bro, like I'm as normie as it comes pretty much. But like, <laughs> um, but, I, but I can relate to the pain and the depravity of it. And I think what always drew me to it is like people who are kind of at their bottom with, uh, with addiction, man, they know mm -hmm. uh, that they could die at any moment. And um, it takes a long time for people with depression or other mental health issues. Like you can endure a lot of suffering for a long time um, in any with substances or, or just with mental health or with both. Um, and there's something about that that just feels really uh, pretty appealing to me. Yeah, I love that, man. And it's as you were talking, I'm, I'm, I'm actually leaning towards, you know, before I got to Colorado, I was six years in AA. Then I came here and I met you. Yeah and you showed me the mountains. And then after a few years of doing the mountains, you were like, here's a phone number, call this person. I think it's gonna be kind of crazy therapy, but I think you're ready for it. Yeah. And you threw me that. And so, you know, the, the backside of my recovery, which I would assume for me um, is the most vulnerable and the most authentic, came as a suggestion from somebody who's never been substance driven. Yeah. That's recovery, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And, and that's, that's what I want the viewers to see today is like, it comes in all different shapes and sizes. And I remember being a young person and being like, I'm not sitting in that group for the rest of my life. I can't do it. 
this just in. It will, you will grow up and out of whatever, wherever you start. You'll have an authentic opportunity to be in the top 1% relationally, spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. And that creates such fulfillment, especially for young people. And it's interesting what you said, too, is they're, they're going to come in here really immature, but then they're probably going to be much more mature than their cohort or other people that are in the similar age range. Mm-hmm. It's so true. Um, right. And that's scary, too, yeah. you know, to grow up and out of that. Now my friends are in college, but there's just a tremendous amount of hope in 2022 that I really didn't want to miss um, in my birthday celebration. And I want to turn it back over to you, Aaron, just to say, what would you like to say to the person that's like pre-contemplative or contemplated or has that phone in their hand and is just like, I don't want to do this because I'm scared to death that I'm going to have this hard edge or not be a part of or be left out. I mean, what can you say to that person who's got the phone in their hand right now that can just give them just a little bit of hope? Hmm. Well, as we've been talking about this, I've been thinking that um, and I'm sure you experience, I'm sure we've all experienced this where it's so easy to identify how you're different and how you don't fit within XYZ. I think even within AA and within recovery situations, you're kind of looking for differences. And that's the thing about what I love about Peaks is it truly is individualized. Mm-hmm. And like it truly is like based on um, what this person needs and what commonalities do we have collectively as humans, collectively as people within peaks and the organization. So I think what, what I would say is just um, despite whatever you're telling yourself, you're not, um, you're not so different that, that we can't find commonality. And mm-hmm. that like there are people there who here who will not judge you and who will support you despite whatever you think about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have that. And, um, and there's definitely hope and it can, it can get better. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for that, Aaron. I appreciate it. Joseph, what, do you, what would you like to leave? You know, kind of the, our, the culture of the show is really the opportunity for recovery, community-based resources in 2022, and the hope that is um, recovery today. I mean, what, what would you like to say to those people um, who are pre-contemplative or contemplative and have the phone in their hand or just, you know, filled with a tremendous amount of fear and anxiety and shame? Um, because I know we've all been in that position. So what would you say to that individual? Man, I, I guess that trying matters, mm-hmm. you know? It's not about if, I, if every attempt that I've made in anything in my life, um, this is gonna be full effort try. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them don't work out, but you know, you learn a lot from that and you grow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, growth is a, is a word that I've been embodying, <laughs> trying to, you know, place in every almost mm-hmm. day of my life. And I think that the growth that you get from trying is something and that trying means a lot. So mm. take the try for sure. And that's huge. I love that. You know, and I used to say this bull crap phrase um, that I got from AA that says trying is dying. And you actually reminded mm. me right there that I'm done saying that because it's actually so important. Mm. And for us to show up, right? And we do one thing perfect, we just don't do this substance thing, but if you're anything like me in your first year, you're struggling with dishonesty, um, you're struggling with integrity, you're struggling with um, relationships, you're struggling with treating people poorly. But I got this one thing, you know? But I'm not trying in a lot of other areas. So you actually bring up a really good point for me, and I'm gonna quit saying that, because trying matters a lot. And I used to say, you're either doing it or you don't. What a hard edge, huh? <laughs> well, especially if you've tried over and over yeah. and over. 
and then you feel like, what is the point? I keep trying and it's not working. Mm. No, it does matter. Yeah. Keep trying. Yeah. I love that. No, that's great, man. Thank you for that, for sure. Jason, last but not least, what are we going to send the viewers off with? What is the message we want to get across for the vulnerable person who's suffering with a mental health disorder, substance or not? Um, Man, I, I love that you just said the word suffering, because that's what I was thinking about. And um, uh, we were just talking about this in the meeting earlier today, too, that uh, suffering um, can be so difficult. It is where we, like, we, we all have these stories of suffering, um, but overcoming suffering can be such a great uh, opportunity. But I was, I was talking about in our meetings this morning, too, that, like, Sometimes our suffering can create, cause us to get bitter and wall ourselves off. And um, I guess what I would have to say is uh, you don't have to live this way. Mm. Like it can be different and there can be a path um, and you're not alone. Yeah. Those would be the things I would say. I love that. Well, thank you all for coming on um, my birthday episode. We'll do it each year. We're not gonna talk about sobriety time, but we'll just do mental health awareness. Um, yeah. I am grateful um, for the men and women in the 12-step group, a Crazy Birds group, Alcoholics Anonymous in Prescott, Arizona. That was were the, one of the first. 5 a.m. 5 a.m. Watch uh, out for the javelinas. Yeah, watch out for the javelinas. <laughs> um, shout out to them. Those men and women showed me a tremendous amount of love um, when I couldn't show it for myself. So really grateful for them. Grateful for all of you and what you guys have meant to my recovery. Um, so thank you all so much. Until next year. Um, well, before, before like, we leave, I just want to... Uh, like commend you on that 14 years not that the numbers mean a lot but every day that i get to observe and just know you you make it look so easy and it's definitely a role model for mm -hmm. uh, several people and i know a lot of people look up to you and the way that you navigate through life chris so i mean 14 years i hope you really feel the congratulations on my behalf and the people that i know mm -hmm. we talk about Man, Chris got 14 years. That's awesome, and he's out here looking, living his best life, and, and doing so many leadership-based things. That um, I don't know if you get the the recognition all the time, but I certainly appreciate the example you you set forth. So thank you for 14 years. Thank you, man. That means a lot. Absolutely. And the vast, vast amount of people who you have made a difference in their life because of your recovery. I mean, it's we can't even count it. Mm -hmm. it goes on forever. It means so a lot. It's really incredible. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> recovery is amazing, man. I was at Lake Ann yesterday and I got to come down and do IOP and I am just like, the life that I get to live today with you all, a part of it is, is very, very special and I'm very lucky. Um, so thank you guys very much for coming on. I appreciate it. Appreciate um, you know where to find us. This Sunday at 6 p.m., podcast, Instagram, TikTok, Spotify, Apple Music, who knows? Check us out, man. I've been pointing a lot of people to the show. We're getting a lot of viewers. We would love to have you on this Sunday at 6 p.m. Until next time, peace.